24, if you're able to stand with us and really just read a few selective verses and have prayer, and <clears throat> then you can be seated. I don't have a long sermon tonight, but it is just what the Lord laid upon my heart. Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 27. The Bible says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, notice this, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then look at verse number 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then verse 39. I knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And finally, verse number 44 says, therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word tonight. Lord, we desperately need you, and I pray that you would hide us behind the shadows of the cross. Lord, I ask you tonight that we would see no man save Jesus only. May you get the glory, may you get the honor tonight, and may we not do or say anything that will call attention to ourselves or grieve the Holy Spirit, but God, I pray that you'd truly be glorified tonight. I pray that your son, who is worthy to be magnified, would be magnified in our midst tonight, and may the church be edified. Save that sinner that's nearest hell and reclaim the backslid and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh want to draw your attention tonight to uh, the verses that we've read here in just a moment, but Matthew chapter 24 and as well as Matthew chapter 25 is a sermon that Christ has given uh, concerning the last days. Now we know that uh, in the book of Matthew, that Matthew was a Jew and that he was writing about the king of the Jews and that he is writing to the Jews. When you think about the mysteries of the kingdom in Matthew chapter number 13, those seven parables that Christ gave. He, he gave them uh, uh, to reveal the last times in which we would be living and he also gave them to reveal uh, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven concerning uh, the nation of Israel. And so it's clear to see that in this book here uh, that the emphasis uh, is on the nation of Israel. I would say tonight when we get to Matthew chapter 24, uh, you know as well as I do that we're on Jewish ground. Amen. And when we come to this sermon tonight, uh, there's four things I want you to see tonight uh, concerning the sermon that Christ gives here, and it's concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I want to preach on that subject tonight, on the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have it in chapter 24, and again, we can see it tonight. We'll not go there, uh, but you can read about it in chapter number 25 as well. And in this chapter here, it opens in verse number one of chapter 24, uh, Christ is going to take the first 26 verses uh, and it's going to reveal uh, the content of his sermon. Amen. Uh, Christ will take the first 26 verses uh, and deal with the content of his sermon concerning uh, the second coming of Christ. Uh, he's going to build it to the end there. He's going to give us explicit details uh, of what's going to happen and what's going to take place leading up to uh, his 
was coming. And it opens in verse number one here as he talks about and gives the remarks concerning the temple destruction. Notice in verse one, the Bible says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. You notice the pride there as they wanted to show Christ of the buildings of the temple. They were proud of the temple in that day. But notice in verse number two, the prophecy that Christ gives here. And Jesus said unto them, see not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one here, shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And so what Christ does, he takes the very thing that they're excited about, their very thing that is before them, and he uses it as an illustration to lay the groundwork of the prophecy of his coming, amen? That prophecy concerning the temple destruction gives great perplexity in verse number three. And you'll notice the questions that they ask here. As the Bible said that as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us what, what when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? You see what Jesus said in verse number two about that temple, it stirred them up. It got them to thinking. It got them to looking to the end. And they wanted to know what's, when are these things going to be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now remember tonight, Christ is talking to the Jews. And to the Jews, he gave a sign, didn't he? Amen. And Jews are looking for signs. They were looking for signs then. And they're looking for signs now and they'll be looking for signs in those last days. But we, the church, we're not looking for signs, amen? We're listening for sounds, amen? We're listening for the sound of the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I tell you, I'm not looking for signs in these days. I've got my ear pointed toward heaven and I believe just any day now the trumpet's gonna sound, the dead in Christ are gonna rise and thank God we're gonna be out of here, amen. I'm looking for the rapture, amen. And the rapture is going to mark the beginning of the tribulation period and the second coming is going to mark the end. I say, child of God, keep on keeping on, keep on preaching on, keep on walking on for some golden daybreak. Jesus is coming, praise God, and we're getting out of this old world, amen. Paul said it like this, in Philippians 3 and verse number 20, he said, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I tell you, I'm gonna preach on the second coming, but can I just stop and say this for one second? I'm thrilled about the rapture, amen? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 51, he said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Isn't that a blessing? But we shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, that's 11 one hundredths of a second. If you could take one second and you could divide it up in 11, one, 11 hundred seconds, if you could divide that second into 11, 11 hundred pieces of time, that's how fast the trumpet's gonna sound 
That's how fast the dead's coming out of the grave. That's how fast this old vile body is going to be changed. That's how fast we're leaving this world and we're going to be in the presence of our loved ones. That's how fast when we see them, we're going to see him. That's how fast it's all going to happen. Amen. I mean, you ain't even going to be able to say sick them. And you're going to be in the face. You're going to see your loved ones. And before you even know, you went before you it even processes through that glorified mind, you're going to be standing with him in the presence of the one that we sung about tonight, the presence of the one that we preach about, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm telling you, we're going to be standing there. And Paul said, this mortal will put on immortality. And he said, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And he said when this mortal shall I put on immortality and this corruptible shall I put on incorruption then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory we'll just probably all sing on that morning on that great resurrection morning we'll probably all join in and sing oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. And brother and sister, I want to tell you, we've had some victories down here, but we've never had a victory like we're going to have together on that morning when Jesus comes. Our victory is going to be in him. Hallelujah. He's coming, isn't he? I didn't mean to say all that, but I'm not sorry I did. Amen. I'm telling you, he's talking about it. They're one, they're looking for signs, but we're listening for a sound. Amen. And Jesus makes some remarks concerning the temple destruction. But look when verse number four, he's about to make some remarks here concerning the tribulation destruction. Amen. And he's going to tell them what the tribulation is going to be like. He says in verse four and five, it's going to be a time of apostasy and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I'm Christ and shall deceive ministry many you see tonight apostasy is going to be rampant during the tribulation period and it's already on the rise today of the spirit of antichrist and apostasy has already taken over a lot of places you know why that is it is said the stage. It is getting things ready. Apostasy is not going to be anything new when the tribulation begins. Can you see tonight that the apostasy that's already creeping into the church what Jude spoke about is already present tonight and he's coming and Jesus said the tribulation period will be a time of apostasy. He said it's going to be a time of anarchy. Look at verse number six. He said and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. Doesn't this sound familiar? In verse 7 he said for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diver places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. You say brother Gravely, what are you saying? I'm saying the tribulation 
It's going to be a time of apostasy, but it's going to be a time of anarchy when kingdoms against kingdom and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. We already see that today. You could turn the news on. You could get the paper. You can read about it. I mean, nation is divided against nation. What's happened? Famines, pestilence, earthquakes. The stage has already been set for the tribulation period. You know, if I was lost tonight, I'd get saved. Because all you got to do is read these verses and know that we're standing on the threshold of the end, amen? It's gonna be a time of apostasy, a time of anarchy. It'll be a time of affliction. Look what he told the Jews here. Then talking about the nation of Israel in verse nine, shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, anti-Semitism, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Hey, listen, Joel said that, listen, he talked about fathers and mothers turning against each other. Uh, he talked about, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, sons and daughters turning against uh, uh, one another. Uh, it's gonna be those kind, type of times. Uh, it's gonna be a time of affliction. I'm talking about the Holocaust of all Holocausts uh, when the whole world uh, is going to turn on the nation of Israel. I mean, the, the whole world almost uh, hates Israel tonight, uh, but she'll not have an ally in those days. Uh, the only ally she's going to have uh, is going to be God. Uh, uh, but can I tell you something? The only ally she's going to need uh, is going to be God. Amen. Uh, when the whole world is out uh, uh, running her down like a bloodhound, uh, uh, God uh, will not let that nation go under. It's going to be a bloodbath uh, during those seven years. Uh, uh, but just hang on. Uh, we're headed to the end. Amen. Uh, I'm talking about a time uh, of affliction. Amen. And then he said it's going to be a time uh, of apathy. Look at verse number 12. Uh, and because a shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Hey, I wanna say something about those two verses tonight. The love of many is waxing cold today, amen. You see, the world is not getting better tonight. And the complacency and the apathy even in our churches is telling us that the end is drawing near. The love of many is waxing cold and he that endures to the end. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, preacher, if I don't go out in a rapture, I'll just endure to the end. Oh, listen, friend, you'll not make it to the end when God pours out those seven seals in Revelation 5 and 6 and then he pours out those seven trumpets or he blows those seven trumpets and then those seven vials. You'll not make it to the end. This is not written to a Gentile. It's written to those Jews. And even if you could, God said, you'll not be saved. You heard the gospel. You spurned the invitation. You'll die and go to hell. But the Bible said that God is going to send strong delusions and you'll believe a lie and you'll be damned is what that book says. But Jesus is talking to the nation of Israel and he tells them it's going to be a time of apathy. But then in verse number 14, he tells them it's going to be a time of accomplishment. Amen. Look what verse 14 says. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. Can I tell you something about the gospel tonight? The gospel is not bound by region. 
It's not bound by dispensation. It's not bound by nationalities. It's not bound by anything. God is going to have his witnesses in the tribulation period. Malachi 4 talks about it. Revelation talks about it. We read about them in the Old Testament and in the New. Those witnesses are gonna preach and when they preach the gospel, 144,000 Jews are gonna believe the gospel. They're going to believe this verse and they're going to get saved and they're going to go out and they're going to preach the gospel and the power of the gospel it's going to be displayed right under the devil's nose in all of his anger, in all of his fury. The gospel is going to be scattered and there's going to be great accomplishment even in the tribulation period. When we get to verse number 15, we see the events here, verse number 15, down to verse number 26. These events are the final three and a half years of the tribulation period. Notice the Bible said, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, the prophet stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. He's going to talk about Israel in verse number 16. That's what Daniel spoke of was his people. He said, then let them which be in Judah flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye Israel, pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, not, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened, amen. I tell you, there's only three elects in the Bible. There is the nation of Israel, the 144,000 and the church, amen. And here we see those Jews, they're going through that tribulation time. They're going through that period of the Antichrist. Listen, when the church is taken out, he's gonna step on the scene. He'll be a military genius. He'll be a financial genius. Listen, he'll be one that will solve all the world's problems. He'll be a political genius. He'll have all the answers And my friend, even the very elect is going to look to him. I'll tell you what he's going to do. You know this as well as I do. He's going to make a link, a covenant with the nation of Israel. He's going to sign a peace treaty and he's going to promise the world a world peace and world prosperity. And the first 300 or first three and a half years, it's going to look like that he has all the answers. But Daniel says in verse number 15, he is going to break that covenant with the nation of Israel. He's going to walk in that temple. He's going to set himself up as God. Abomination desolation is going to take place and everyone's going to turn against that nation. And listen, Jesus said, if you're on the housetop, don't come down. Don't even go back to get your clothes. It's going to be a time. Those last three and a half years is going to be all hell on earth and everyone is going to be against that little nation. Amen. And in Israel's desperation, Jesus says in verse 23, he gives them a warning, that if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. 
There shall rise false Christs and false prophets and said they shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very leg. Listen, how are they gonna do that? That satanic trinity. I'm telling you that, uh, that false prophet is going to perform miracles uh, and he's gonna give power unto others to do that. Uh, and they're gonna be so desperate for Jesus to come back. They're going to be praying for the Messiah to come. Uh, they're gonna be in that little rose red city in those rocks and those caves and they're going to be hiding out. Uh, but while they're hiding out, uh, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be praying. Oh, come Jehovah. They're gonna be praying for the Messiah uh, to come and to bring them deliverance. Uh, they're gonna remember the promises uh, of the Old Testament prophets. Uh, they're gonna remember the message uh, of my friend of the Pentateuch uh, that he promised uh, that Messiah would come. Uh, there's gonna be a prayer meeting in the tribulation period uh, in those rocks and those caves uh, like this world has never seen before. Uh, and Jesus said, behold, uh, I have told you before, wherefore if they say unto you, behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Uh, behold, he's in the secret chamber. And Jesus said, believe it not. Uh, he told them Jews, uh, when you're desperate for the Messiah to come, uh, if they say he's in the desert, don't even go because he's not coming up out of the desert. If they say he's in some secret chamber, don't you go uh, because he's not coming out of a secret chamber. He gave the content of the sermon. Why? Because when you get to verse number 27, you know where he's headed to now? He's took them all the way through of that great tribulation. He's took them all the way down until it looks like there is no hope. But now he's going to bring them to a climax when it looks hopeless, when it looks like Israel is without hope and without an ally. He says in verse number 27, he's not gonna be in the desert He's not gonna be in a secret chamber, but he said, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus said, you don't gotta go to the desert. You don't gotta go to some secret chamber. He said, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. When the king comes, he's gonna open up the universe. He's gonna step out on a cloud and the Shekinah glory is gonna shine from the heavens all the way down to this mud ball we're on tonight and the king's gonna come and his lightning comes. He's gonna come from the east to the west. Hallelujah. He's not coming in a back door when he comes. Hey, why did Jesus say lightning? I'll tell you why. You think about uh, the visibility of lightning. I mean, you go outside. Uh, lightning can be miles away. I'll tell you what lightning can do. Uh, when it strikes across the sky, it lights the sky up uh, and everybody within its path is going to be able to see it. Uh, it lights uh, the heavens up uh, and you're able to see uh, the visibility of that lightning. Uh, and then you think about the velocity of it. I mean, that lightning... Uh, I mean, just as quick as you can see it, it's here and it's gone. It comes across that, uh, that sky. It comes across that firmament. I'll tell you what it does. It comes with velocity. It comes fast. It comes swiftly. Hey, that's how the king's coming, amen? He's coming swiftly. He's coming for, for Israel. He's coming to rescue them. He's coming to deliver them. And when he comes, he's gonna light these heavens up. He's gonna light it up with himself. He's gonna light it up with his glory. He's gonna light it up with his church. The whole world is going to see him come. Hallelujah. He's coming, isn't he? And I got news for you. We're coming with him. 
Hey, you better get ready, friend. You better get ready to go to heaven, but you better get ready to come back to earth. I'm telling you, saddle up's the word, amen. John said in Revelation 19 and verse 11, he said, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, amen. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He doesn't judge and make war. That's what he's coming, amen. He said, his eyes were as a flame of fire and upon his head were many crowns, amen. He's not coming as a peasant. He's not coming on a donkey, thank God. He's coming as the king immortal and the king invisible, amen. He's coming as the king of kings. He's coming as the king of the ages. He's coming as the Lord of lords. He's coming as the captain of captains. He's coming on a thoroughbred like this world has never seen. And the Bible says that when he comes, the Bible said his name is called the word of God. And he hath on his hat the vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies, that's you and me, amen, which are in heaven, followed him upon white horses, amen. Amen. We're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Can you imagine that? Everybody's gonna be dressed right. Everybody's gonna be clean. Everybody's gonna be in fine linen. We're gonna have on them priestly garments and we're coming with the king, amen. We're gonna outshine this old world. And the Bible said that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and he hath on his thigh a name written praise God a king of kings and lord of lords hallelujah Woo! praise God y'all believe that tonight I believe every word of it I was preaching that a few years ago down now I won't tell you where I was at but I was down in a region not far from here amen but I tell you me and old brother Cape we was preaching a revival together and the preacher had a had a preacher's meeting one morning and he said I want the two of you to preach well brother Cape was going to preach last and so I got up and was preaching I don't remember what I was preaching on but I quoted that passage of scripture I'm telling you listen that crowd was going to meeting but when I got to Revelation 19 they pulled the plug on it, amen. <laughs> kind of like this right here. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was sitting there, I was probably 29, 30 years old. I said, I, in my mind, I thought, Brother Randy, I thought, what did I just say? I didn't say nothing about standards. I didn't preach on no sin. And, boy, I, I gave it a run for about five more minutes. I mean, the air was gone out of that sermon. I finally just closed my Bible. Went over and sat down. I sat next to Brother Kate and he leaned over. He said, I forgot to tell you, his crowd don't believe nothing about a white horse. He said, that one old boy was shouting, said he took his to the stable when you got on Revelation 19. Got out there at the fellowship hall. There's about four preachers behind me. They're making fun of me. And Brother Cape said, now listen, son. He said, don't eat with me. You go eat somewhere else. And I, I said, I can't believe you want me to go eat somewhere else. He said, well, you done ruined yourself with this crowd. Ain't no sense in ruining both of us. Amen. And so I ate by myself. Amen. I believe in obeying the man of God. But I'm telling you, I don't know why I said, oh, I know why I said that. They just thought, think it's a simple. Well, I got a question for that 
crowd. If that horse is just a symbol, then I wonder if the person sitting on it's just a symbol. I want to tell you, my friend, that stallion is every bit as real as the one that's sitting on top of it. Amen. If he can create a cow down here, if he can create a mule or a horse down here, don't you think for one second that he ain't got stables in heaven and he's got horses in heaven and you got one and I got one and thank God one of these days we're getting a new potty and we're getting a new wardrobe and we're getting a new ride and we're gonna saddle up and we're gonna come back and we're coming with him and we're gonna ride through the heavens. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. As lightning, lightning. That might be the name of his horse. Lightning. Lightning, hallelujah. As it shines out of the east to the west, he's coming, hallelujah. Immediately, verse number, I'll tell you, verse 27, it, in the climax of his sermon, it talks about uh, it talks about the swiftness in verse 27. It talks about the slaughter in verse 28. Uh, when he talks about those eagles being gathered together, he's talking about where that angel standing in the sun, uh, uh, calling every one of the fowls of the earth together for the supper of the great God, uh, uh, to eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men uh, and horses. Uh, because when Jesus speaks, uh, uh, the blood is going to flow like a river uh, down through that Jehoshaphat valley. It's going to flow to the horse's bridle and there's going to be human uh, uh, death and devastation. It's uh, going to fill all of that uh, plains of Megiddo and Jesus talks about it in verse 29. Here we are immediately after the tribulation of those days uh, shall the sun be darkened uh, and the moon shall not give her light uh, and the stars uh, from the heaven shall fall uh, and the powers of the heaven uh, they shall shall be shaken, amen. I got a question about verse 29. I read it and I thought to myself, why is all that gonna happen? Why is the sun gonna be darkened? Why is the, the moon gonna turn to blood? Why is the heaven, the stars, not gonna be shaken? Because of the next verse. Then shall appear the sign of of the Son of Man in heaven. You know why they're going to, why all that's going to take place? Because creation is going to bow before him. Oh, hear me tonight. Creation is going to bow their head as Christ comes again. Tonight, dear friend, I want you to see the climax of his coming. He's coming, isn't he, tonight? And I see the climax. Then Christ gives the clue to his sermon in verse number 32. Learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you shall know that summer is nigh. There's the parable. Notice the prophecy. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that this is near, even at the door. There's the prophecy. Look at the promise. For verily I say, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Christ makes it permanent in verse 35 by saying heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He gives us all that about the coming of Christ because the clue is the nation of Israel. He's talking to the Jew and he says, you're the clue of these last days. That fig tree, we know that it blossomed in 1948. 
It blossomed in that time. And the Bible tells us here, he talks about the fig tree, how that it blossomed. He said, this generation shall not pass until all these things take place. And I want to be fulfilled. And I would say tonight to you and I, we ought to realize the clue. You say, preacher, how do, how do you know where we're at in these days? Just look at the nation of Israel. Israel is God's timepiece for the second coming, for the rapture. And then Christ gives the challenge of his sermon in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He takes the days of Noah, those days, you remember this, Methuselah, his name means that when he dies, it shall come. Enoch walked with God and was not, he was raptured out. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord through that great judgment, just as Israel will find grace and be safe in Christ through that great tribulation. Jesus reaches back and gets Noah and he talks about this is how the, the coming of the Son of Man shall be the last days. That's what's going to happen. My friend, when we think about that, he said two is going to be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, the other left. Look, you may be here tonight and say, preacher, this is the church. We're living in the church age. What is Matthew 24 other than just telling? We're not even gonna be here when it happens. What does Matthew chapter 24 have to do with us tonight? The principle for the church is this. It's in one word and it's the first word. Verse 42, watch therefore. Look at verse 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. You know what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be watching. And I can tell you in one second how to know if somebody's watching how do you know if somebody's watching? By the way you're living. Not what you're saying, how you're living. Because if you're watching, it'll make a difference in how you're living. Jesus closes this chapter out by talking about a wise servant in verse 45, verse 46, and verse 47. And then he talks about the wicked servant in verse 48, 49, 50, and 51. I know those applies to the Jews, but I would say this to you tonight. The wise servant is the one that's watching. The wicked servant is the one that is not watching. And verse 51 ends with the wicked servant being cast into the fire. I would ask you this question tonight. Do you know that you're saved? Are you ready for the second coming of Christ? Are you ready to meet Jesus tonight? If you died right now, where would you spend eternity? Are you ready? I'll tell you, when I think about Jesus coming, it does not depress me. It excites me tonight. Are you ready for that great judgment day as we stand, as they come and get us a song